everyone. Welcome to episode number four of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates. I'm still getting used to introducing it this way, seeing as this technically episode 154 of all the podcasts we've ever done. Me and my, uh, my good friend and former co-host, Dean Guido, who has retired from this and is doing his own podcast, The Pump, with, uh, with our friend Jeb Stewart-Johnston. Dean's life got, well, crazy busy in a great way. So he's left this all to me. <laughs> so if you're a long-time listener, you know what's going on. And the first three guests in my stream of episodes have been uh, popular guests in the past. So he lead, Dr. Mike Isertel and Jonathan Goodman. But this is my first chance to get someone really brand new to the podcast and someone I've been looking forward to connecting with and getting a chat uh, with. We've been swimming in the same sort of circle. We know a lot of the same people. We both yep. write for T-Nation. We both write for True Coach. So I had to get Matthew Ibrahim on here. Uh, Matthew's doing really, really cool stuff with his social media. You know, he's one of those accounts that you really want to follow. And I'm going to talk more about that after. For innovative but practical and usable trading ideas. There's a really good uh, fountain of information there. So it's great to have you on. Welcome. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to uh, diving in. And, you know, right when you said the name of your podcast, I'm thinking like, you know, I grew up, well, I lived in Boston, but we had a summer house for 20 years and in New Hampshire and their state motto is live free or die. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> I think I'm hoping half the people kind of get the play on words. Uh, yes. Look, finding a title for the podcast uh, is, is tricky. I actually always disliked our old name. I, the fittest devil. Uh, it, I was searching for names and there's a band called the devil, you know, it's the old lead singer of, I don't think I've told this on air, the old lead singer of Killswitch Engage, Howard Jones. Yeah. He had another band called The Devil You Know. Saw them live, wasn't blown away. I love Killswitch, by the way. Anyway, so we just went with it. And so I was like, ah. So when it came time to make the changes, I thought, okay, we've got to come up with something new. So I was sifting through possible things, play on words, something that would have a little bit of that familiarity, but something new. And uh, so I actually like the, the Bruce Willis movie, the fourth in the series, the Die Hard series, Live Free or Die Hard. Yep. The, we twisted it and everybody loved it. And then my friend, Carolyn McDonald, she helped me find a, a graphic. I keep throwing her out there. Mike talked a lot about her on a on previous episode, but I owe her a big thanks for, for helping me with it. And uh, so here we are. But I wanted to also, you know, you're brand new to some of my listeners, and certainly you haven't been a guest on here before. So we might as well go through this really ridiculously long list of shit that you've done. So, I can't read it off. Like, I'm actually going to be looking at the script can we, here. can we skip this, please? <laughs> no way, man. So you're the co-owner and director of strength and conditioning at TD Athletes Edge, uh, and that's in Boston. You're an adjunct professor at uh, two places, uh, Maryville University and Endicott College. Meanwhile, yourself, a PhD student at Rocky Mountain University. I don't know how you juggle all those three. And <laughs> that's my fiance. <laughs> uh, no, there you go. Like, that wasn't in the, in the bio. Yeah. Uh, human, and it's in human and sport performance. And, and meanwhile, you find time to be a public speaker. You're a prolific fitness writer. As I mentioned, you and I both write for T-Nation and True Coach. Meanwhile, you've got big publications like Men's Health and a whole bunch of other ones that I haven't knocked down yet. So that's a pretty accomplished resume, even at this stage. So... I guess one of the things I'm interested in, you also, you have a strong strength and conditioning background, right? So you see, I mean, how many coaches in our world never step out and try to build a brand for themselves or they exist within colleges or sports organizations and they're very respected within the smaller community. Sure. Never do build social media brands. Yeah. Um, 
you know, writing brand, or any of these other things that you've certainly done really well. So what, why was it important to you to step out and build a greater brand to build a presence on social media? And certainly I'm curious as to how you've approached your social media. So I'll, I'll let you run with it from there. Yeah. So, you know, the way I look at it, Andrew, is not many people know this, but a long time ago, probably eight, nine years ago, I've been in the field for about 12 years right now. And so I had this urge that I wanted to pay it forward, give back and help people. I think you, like myself, like everyone in this field, in the human performance, SNC, training field, rehab, whatever it may be, we want to help people, right? We want to give back, pay it forward. Let me be the Mickey to your rocket. Let me help you get to the top of the mountain, right? So for me, I always I viewed it as, look, I may not be the smartest, but I'm learning a little bit. I'm getting educated. Let me pay it forward and share knowledge. And I always um, saw Instagram as, wow, this is a quick and easy way to get out digestible information. I'll never forget about five, six years ago, Kevin Carr from Mike Boyles talked about, you know, Instagram is the new article new blog no one has quote unquote i'm putting air quotes time to sit down and read an article anymore we know what we do but i think the majority of folks uh who are not in the field gen pop right they're like okay let me get my hands on something real quick Ooh, that looks sexy let me do that you and i are sitting here saying well fuck like we don't want them to do something that's sexy or looks cool however we want to get their attention first and foremost Get them into the door and then show them, hey, let's de-educate and debunk some of those myths, those 21-day detox, all that bullshit, and then say, okay, here's a smart, sustainable way to train, have nutrition, and recover properly so you can continue to be you know, a boss in the gym for long term. So I've always viewed Instagram as a way to educate, almost like a platform. So I started years ago, please, no one looked this up, but it was Mobility 101. I remember at the time... I was trying to become, uh, you know, get into school for doctor of physical therapy. So our good friend, like we alluded to earlier, Sam Spinelli, he's, he's someone who's doing amazing in that. Um, and I had worked in SNC facilities, performance training facilities. I mean, I worked in hospitals, senior, set, uh, senior, senior citizen settings, rehab settings. I was trying to become a PT student. Grades, let's be honest, they suck. They weren't great. But all this time I said, okay, how can I separate myself? So I started uh, Mobility 101 as a brand. I was pumping out content. I had a website. I had a bunch of t-shirts. I mean, it was, it was actually pretty funny. Um, and that was around the time Kelly Surratt was out with mobility wad and that, you know, you know, like you said, play on words, um, and one-on-one like gen, like general class one-on-one. So I'm like, all right, this is, I keep it simple. That kind of, uh, you know, forward and, you know, escalated into movement resilience. And then I was like, you know what, I just want to be who I am myself, you know, and, um, that kind of parlayed into, okay, no more blog, no more article. Like, let's just, let me just focus on pumping out short, simple, digestible information for the mass. And this is key, Andrew. I think a lot of people in our field, they're like, okay, number either one, I'm afraid of what my peers might think, or number two, I, my information's not good enough. I'm like, fuck that shit, because that's not, that, that's not what you should be thinking about. You I need to be, go ahead, hit, hit, hit me, hit me, hit me. I, I, I post a lot about that stuff, right? Encouraging people you to do. sharing their own content, because I, this is one of my favorite things is you're only letting down yourself and the people who love what you're doing and are interested in hearing more of your work. When you're scared of the people who, you know, those people in your world, you're acquainted with whatever, and they don't want to see you succeed, right? Or, or trolls. I mean, Jesus Christ, who fucking cares what a troll thinks? People are tough guys? Yeah. Or, or anyone <laughs> just isn't cheering for you. I like pissing off the people who aren't cheering for me, who are actively cheering against me. People who we've crossed paths and rub each other the wrong way. 
And I, I try not to expend any negative energy on those kind of people because it's not a good place to dump your energy. But I'm certainly not going to let them scare me into not writing and sharing things and, and fuck putting out this podcast for fear that they might disapprove. I fucking want them to disapprove. Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit more. And something else that you sort of danced around but didn't quite say you didn't complain about any of the bad information that's out there and we can get caught up in that. And I love the idea of not complaining about the, I mean, we can highlight charlatans and, and the bad, the Instagram sure. influencers in our world. Sure. Okay. But when we put all of our energy into whining about them, what we're not doing is we're not making an effort ourselves to build a social media brand. Like you said, to be accessible, to share good information with the general audience we want to reach. Why not learn from these people? Why are they successful? Why are they reaching more eyeballs and compete with them? Just do a better job and actually share really good information instead of whining about the fact that, well, that person has a bigger following than me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's, the, that's what sounds like your philosophy is from what you said. That's huge. I mean, you're right. Like success leaves clues. I always butcher and forget the Bruce Lee quote, but basically, Take information, apply what you can. What you don't want to apply, it's no problem. Move on. But at least you, at least you expose your mind to it. So let, let's talk about those quote-unquote fitness influence for, for a moment, just from a general standpoint. Look, there's a reason why they are where they are, whether it's them showing their ass or their abs. Okay, cool. Like, I'm not going to hate on them, but there's a reason they're there. There's something along the way they are doing correctly or doing in such a way that allows them to put, like you said, themselves in front of eyeballs. So I do think we, we have to peel at least one or two layers of the onion back and say, okay, I can apply this and this. Uh, some of that stuff is shit, but I'm going to apply this and this because I can utilize that. And I, I will be the first person to tell you, I am the biggest thief in our entire field, but I always give back credit because I'm like, okay, I saw Andrew posting about that. That's some dope shit. Let me share Andrew's post because I respect what he's doing. And then I'll, I have a similar idea. Let, let me write about my idea. I'll post it and I'll say, hey, Andrew had a similar idea. Check out his post from the other day as well. It's a pretty similar concept. And we I think did, we have to do that. You and I both sent articles into T Nation, both on calf, you know, better calf training and ankle strength and this sort of stuff. We hadn't been talking about no it. No clue. <laughs> Yours was published first. Mine was already submitted. I look at it. I'm like, motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> that was my first reaction. Tiptoe Farmers Carries, which I love. I think it's a really effective way to train calves. And sure enough, you put it in there. Thankfully, you did it with a trap bar, and I held kettlebells in mine. <laughs> now, the other five ideas you had were brilliant. I'm like, man, this is good stuff. And then I had some separate things as well. Yeah, so then we're awesome. talking about it. So when yours comes out, I'm sharing it. When mine comes out, you're sharing it. And then I'm like, hey, you guys, go back and check this out. And it was like, there's everyone no wins. idea, but there's so much complimentary stuff. And I'm like, wow, man, like this guy's, you know, creating good ideas and there's definitely a similar train of thought. So that, that was really cool. I'm like, yeah, I got to get him on the show. We got to talk. It was really interesting to see that because yeah, the overlap was good. The, the complimentary. And I learned a bunch from yourself because I'm like, you and I both know, number one, no one trains calves. You know, I, I'm declaring 2020 is the year of the calves. Everyone needs to get calves. Calves are the new biceps. Get, get jack calves. My thing is with the calves, number one, when people do it, they rush. They never get full range of motion. I love the one you did. You're on your back on the leg press and you're going full range, right? Because everyone thinks, oh, mobility, mobility. Lee Boyce put something out. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Like strength and mobility, they have to work together as brother and sister. They, you can't have one, one more or, or less versus the other because, well, we need full range of motion. We need to be strong in all of our joint excursions. So 
when you put some of that stuff, I'm like, okay, now I'm thinking too, because when people work caps, right, and that's if they work their caps, that's if they work their caps, if they predominantly do standing, they, they rarely do seated. And you and I both know, just, I'm not trying to get geeky or research here, but seated soleus, standing gastroc, for the most part, we need to train both, but also Achilles. We need to kind of work all of those in. And so I'm a huge fan of tempo. I think you can piss off a lot of your athletes in a very good way, in a very good way with tempo, isometric, eccentric, because, you know, if I tell you to slow down, you're going to say, oh, fuck, I, got, I, have to, I actually have to use good technique now. Yeah, but we're also going to get a much better bang for our buck via King Tut, like time and attention. So I, th I love what you did with those as well. And I think, hey, I mean, it's good that we're working in the same avenue, you know? And, and just a lot I mean, I almost never talk technical training stuff, but we can throw it out there. One of the basic premises behind, you know, a pause at the bottom stretch of a calf movement is, okay, think about this. A lot of people do very rapid springy calf work. What produces that force, that elastic energy? That's your Achilles tendon. The Achilles yeah. is responsible for most of that. So what you're doing is you're getting a really good burn and a workout on the Achilles tendon, which you want it strong, but you don't want it overworked. So slow it down, pause it, dissipate the stretch reflex of the Achilles tendon. Mm -hmm. And then from a pause position, make the calf pull you out of that hole. And a lot of people are missing that in their calf training. So, you know, if someone starts implementing that, then all of a sudden they do it they're like, man, this fucking hurts. This sucks. Great. Good. It tells you you're doing something. You mentioned yeah. voice and, and I like pointing this out and I'm going to bring Lee back on pretty soon. He's, he, he's part of the wave of people who are going to come back as guests. Sure. You and Lee are doing a lot of super similar stuff. I mean, you know, off air, we're talking about, you know, you're an adjunct professor, so so is Lee. And you guys put out a ton of really good technical but accessible training information. So Lee is one of my favorite resources for learning practical and implementing practical training ideas. So I, I read it like Lee a lot. He's a, he's a good friend. Oh, he's awesome. He's someone I've been reading and I really respect his work for years. Yeah, Lee, Lee's great. And I, you know, I, like I said, like I work off of people. So I go to Instagram to learn as well you know like i you know i'm sure like yourself like we've been in this field for a while now a decade plus i want to learn from people like you people like lee people like you know teddy willsey sam spinell all these guys and all these gals are doing like so he uh so he megan calloway all these awesome people i'm like i want to learn from them as well and so when i see an exercise i'm like shit i really like that and i go okay that's intriguing to me well okay before i go any further how can i apply that okay if i can apply that how can I progress, regress, lateralize that? Okay, what are all the progressions of that variation that can be applicable and how and when can you use it? And that's what I try to do. I try to package up a series of a movement. Okay, here's a package of, for example, wall sit variations. Here's how to go from a bilateral wall sit to a unilateral wall sit in a, in a Sounds how, do I, how do I say it? In a very responsible way, right? So it's like, versus like, oh, here's, now granted, there are some times where there's one exercise you're like, oh, this is dope. Let's just fucking post it. Whereas like, I like to kind of show the thought process, right? You're not making people do wall sits with like 12 plates stacked on them. When I see dumb shit like that, I'm like, I get mad. I'm like, that's, you know, that's someone who's showing off some heap <laughs> of strength bullshit that well, they can't probably squat worth the damn or do anything else. Sure. But they figured out, okay, I can stack 18 plates on my knees and sit against or dying and take take that for face i'm being a hard ass about it but that, that's what i'm oh no, you're dude my thought process as of about a year or two ago with Walsits was like yo we're not we're not playing basketball and we lost a game in high school and the next day the coaches yo yo wall sits 
my interpretation has always been, uh, I'm not so sure. Here's what I will say. Here's what I have gleaned from uh, seeing, you know, our team using our facility is, number one, there's a lot of variety. Number two, it does offer some folks an ability, especially people with knee pain and knee discomfort, tendinopathies, patella tendon, all, the, all this stuff. Let me get some form of hip flexion and knee flexion depth, but get that support of the wall because like, okay, let, let's scale this back to the rehab setting. People are doing the physio ball behind them on the wall. Let's do some wall squats. Uh, okay, I'm not going to peel it back that much in a training setting. However, I think a wall set, a wall set rather, is, is, a, is a nice point of entry for some knee joint loading. Think of, because people think knee joint, they think, okay, knee joint are one tendon. No, it's two tendon and you know crosses both joints, hip and knee. Let's consider some of these structural elements that are comprising the knee. And I can get some isometrics, whether it's an analgesic effect to kind of comp shit down, build shit, build shit up a la Lorimer Mosley. But it's okay, let me slow things down for people. Maybe add a mini band, maybe put a kettlebell goblet or a kettlebell hang. Okay, now let's get out of there. Let's go to actual squatting. And again, it's a specific <clears throat> um, you know, type of demographic population. We're talking about people who have some chronic knee pissed offedness or what have you. And again, it's not something we always use, but it's nice to also, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Sometimes it's nice to get a pump, whether it's a quad, calf, bicep, tricep. And, you know, I think the inner meathead in me, like anyone who's in our field, it's nice to get a pump sometimes, but also you and I both know the science and physiology behind a pump is nourishment to the area, blood flow, things that are kind of cool and the capillary density, all that shit that kind of has to happen. So if you get a pump and you like it and we get satisfied from a physiological standpoint, win-win, we're good to roll. Um, you know, and we could even segue to some of the other, the quad stuff, like the, uh, the reverse Nordic or in the, ham, in, the, in the research, they call it the reverse hamstring extension or something like that. I'm sorry, reverse Nordic hamstring extension in the research or reverse Nordic curls. I'm going to be posting something about that soon. I know. Um, Megan Calloway doing shit like that all the time. She yeah. Knows. And that's, that's my inspiration. I get that. I've seen Lee do it. I've seen Megan. I've seen um, E3 rehab. So Tony Camella, Sam Spinelli, and my, my guy, Mark Sertica, they're doing it. Nicole Sertica, they're awesome. They do a ton of great work with actually giving you like a giant body of evidence to back up why, as you'll see in some of mine, I'll pepper in some of the evidence because I'm in the PhD program now and I friggin' hate that stuff like from my own learning standpoint, but I know I suck at it, so I need to become better. So, well, I suppose this is also knowing your audience too, right? Uh, we mentioned Sam. So Sam has built a profoundly large audience and I yeah. think it's primarily um, you know, fitness professionals. I, I would assume that they're drawn in so he can get a bit more technical with this stuff. Whereas your audience, and actually, I think your stuff is quite technically solid, but it also, it's, it's graphic in such a way that it's really accessible to your casual Instagram fitness person. So you're going to use language that appeals to that person. And it goes back to what you're saying earlier about, you know, kind of a gateway. I'm a big believer in, I'm actually actively working on building Instagram following after neglecting it for years. And I'm having a blast doing it. It's actually fun. It's yeah. building. You're taking off, by the way, your, your growth rate. I'm watching you. My eyes are on you, Andrew. I'm tracking. Your growth rate. Track. Your growth rate is what's on my shirt. Be authentic. You're, you're, it's a very authentic growth, which tells me you're taking your time. You're actually you have a you have good you know, exposure to it. Yeah. So I think that first of all, I think there's nothing wrong with building a social media following. I think there are people that kind of look down upon it, and they either kind of come from one or two places. One of which is they've actually struggled to do it themselves. They're like ah. That's stupid. You know, it's a sour grape sort of uh, metaphor. Well, 
it, it's too hard, therefore it doesn't matter, it's, it's dumb. But I think that, and I've talked with Jordan Syed about this. And yeah, he's great. A few other people, Jordan's great. People have this idea that Jordan's got six, over 600,000 followers and some people think, oh, he's, he's successful and well-known because he, he built an Instagram following. Motherfucker has been writing long form art. He's been balling since he was like 12. He's been all this shit, literally since he was a kid. He, he actually yeah. started super young in our world. He interned at, what was it, Westside Barbell with Louis Simmons. Yep. He was uh, an intern at Preston's performance when he was in his earliest of his 20s. Yep. You know, he's, he trained Gary Vaynerchuk, still does. You know, he's done a lot of really cool shit, but <clears throat> he had done all that stuff before Instagram blew up for him. He just mm -hmm. figured out at the time when Instagram was really growing and he was able to leverage all of the following, all the popularity. Lee Boyce. Lee has written on this how he, he was a late comer to Instagram. Compared oh, yeah. I remember when he came on about a year ago. Yeah. And his following grew up rapidly. I was thinking as Lee had any special tactics to hack growth on social media. It was because so many people have been reading his stuff for so long and knew who he was that once he got on this platform, people came to him. Yeah. So a lot of times what's being attributed, the success being attributed because someone has a social media following it's the exact opposite. It's the fact that the person had done all the legwork with long form content for a really long time. And then once they turn around and embrace the social media platform, it just grew because people knew who they were. So, it's so true. It's so true. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to have a social media following. Uh, I think, you know, for the end user, we often say this, you have to be very careful using someone's followers as a metric for how good they are. But at the same time, it's very human nature for the type of people are trying to reach to see the number of followers someone has. And, and in their minds, that is going to be a validation of who they are and whether or not they're worth following. So, okay, let's play that game. Instead of complaining about it, let's actually play the game. Have You and I have fun creating and sharing information. Absolutely. And a lot of that stuff is just stuff that pops in my mind when I'm training a client. So any of the coaches listening who are trying to create content more consistently, I always, I have a tablet. So let's say the client, you know, we have a conversation. I'm like, man, that'd be really good. I can make a good quick post of that. I write it down. I tell them what I'm doing. I'm like, you just inspired something. And they fucking love it. Absolutely. They see the post that came from something that they were That was for me. That was for me. Exactly, right? That they feel really special in that case. And I always make sure that they know that. So like um, I put up something not too long ago when I was late, the royal we and how like, you know how we always say to the client, hey, we are going to go do this. So one of my clients, Larry, and I put him on my social media. He's Larry just turned 70 and he's oh, wow. strong. He squats and deadlifts like a machine, right? Safety <laughs> bar squatting, trap bar deadlifting. He's a compact, powerfully built dude. And everybody loves him. He's adorable. And he's really strong. Anyway, so he always, whenever I say we, he's like, there's that royal we again. So I'm like, this is going to make a good social media post. And so we got a great kick out of the fact that, you know, I, I made something out of this stuff. So if you're looking for ideas, you know, make sure you're writing this stuff down because you're going to forget it if you don't grab it instantly. So, you know, I, I just think it's, it's a really okay thing to want to build a social media audience and you can use it for a lot of good. And if there's someone out there criticizing you because you actually give a shit about doing it, because I've been actively working on it. Meanwhile, we're both writing articles for publications. This podcast is long form content that's geared towards, you know, the really engaged user. And I have a full schedule of clientele you have your clientele, you have your business, you are teaching students. It's not that hard to actually take a little extra time to do this stuff because once you get the systems and, and the consistency, it becomes a habit. Yep. And don't be afraid what anybody thinks, like we said before, you know, anyone who's going to not think much of it, 
well, fuck, they're not the people you're trying to keep happy anyway. And if it's slow going early on, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. I mean, we were talking off air about, you know, the people we know and the relationships and traveling and, and networking in this industry and, and that stuff, you know, you've been doing this 12 years. I've been doing it almost 10 and that stuff didn't happen overnight either. So, exactly. and if you're year two and going, oh man, my social media is not growing, you know, put your head down, coach people, work really, really hard on referrals, build up your business and try to create relationships and engage with people in a way that doesn't ask of their time, but asks how you can help your mentors and the, and the people that you follow, the people who you're learning from. And then those people are probably, most of the time are going to be very giving or, you know, you'll have some sort of positive connection with them. And then you never know over time what could possibly spring out of that, right? Exactly. It's so true. I mean, you alluded to the fact that, you know, you have, you have a notepad to take, take, take notes. I'm the same way. I have, you're going to laugh, I have a Google document 87 pages deep. Better for about three, four years now, I was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this serious now. So what I'll do is I map out each week what I'm going to shoot for content. I have on my phone, I just upgraded. So I don't know, I pay a stupid amount per month to be able to fit all that shit on my phone. But I, I have, uh, call it a post. I have about 19 posts in, in the revolver ready to roll because I have all those videos. Once you have the videos, it's easy that, like you said, you put the videos into the format, you pump it out. You put, again, it's all authentic you know, curated information, but once you have a system, it, it's go. I have my, my Google document. Okay. Monday video shoot 6am. Boom. Get in there. Five videos. Okay, great. That batch is done. Maybe get another batch in. Okay, great. And then I do that Tuesday. Maybe do it Thursday, Friday, maybe hit one on Sunday, or maybe just, maybe I go a week where I only get two cause I was busy at work, but I have a bunch in the revolver. So I'm, I always have ammo or content to post. That's one Avenue. So start, like you said, write things down, get inspired by other people. Um, be creative, get, go in the lab and kind of play around during some of your own training sessions. That's kind of number one. Number two is like you alluded to as well, Andrews, stop worrying about what other people think and you're, you're not good enough yet. I mean, how many people I can't, I don't have enough toes and fingers to count how many people said, you know, Oh, I'm sure you get it too. Love your following. How do I get to that? Mm -hmm. Just post shit and, and put out thoughtful, you know, really good stuff that you think is educational to help people. And it's going to come better over time. And guess what? It takes time. Like the same young strength coach. I've been in the field for a year. I'm not making what I want to make money wise. Cause money's always a hot topic. No one wants to talk about it. Everyone's afraid about that shit. Number two is, I'm sure the second part of that is, well, why haven't I made it? Well, number one, what the, what the fuck does, was, does made it mean? Number two is how do you define success? Right? My version of success is, can I make the person, the end user, the, the IG, uh, person looking at my IG or social media, the client in front of me, the athlete via my online training, the student in front of me, can I help them become a better overall version of themselves in any way, shape, uh, way or shape possible? Then that to me is success for my own personal uh, knowledge. The other piece of it is I think everyone overlooks the fact that you look at some of the most successful people in the world, you know, Steve Jobs, you know, when he was alive, you look at um, the gentleman who owns Tesla, I always forget his name. Elon Musk. I Elon love, Musk. Fuck, do I love Elon. Yeah, all these <laughs> successful people. And we can go on and on about the list of these people. At one point or another, they had a coach, a guide, a mentor. I myself have a coach, Greg Robbins of the Strength House. He used to be at Cressy years ago. I've had him for five years as my strength coach online. And then I recently hired a, a, a professional speaking coach because my thinking is, I don't want to be okay or good at something. I want to make sure that I am great to the point where my, my information is effective and it's efficient and it can help people. So I hired a speaking coach as well. 
I noticed something, and I want to highlight this to the audience so they're aware of it, and you may or may not be surprised I pick up, pick up on this. For everyone listening, listen to how Matthew actually speaks to me, addresses me by name, and communicates. And you don't see that with everyone. There's a very natural and authentic way, but it's a very engaging way to communicate with people. And I don't think it's a coincidence that you're doing as well as you are, and you communicate that way. And the person who does it better than anyone in our industry, and I direct people to go back and listen to his episode, is Dr. Jade Tata. You list, if anyone goes, and I'm, Jade's coming back real soon, so you know in future you'll get another episode. But if you go back to the old episode with Jade, you're going to hear someone who has a really, really charismatic and engaging communication style that makes it about the other person. So if you're thinking about, you know, communication and if you want to do your own audio stuff or, or, or talk to people, just you're meeting someone in a, in a, a networking setting, man, like you're, you're a good showcase of exactly how to do that. So, and I don't know if that's something that you've worked on or if that comes from a very natural place, uh, but it's something that I noticed almost immediately. And, and that's, that shit actually matters in our world. I appreciate that brother. And I, if I'm going to be completely transparent, that's why we're on here. I have made uh, more mistakes both academically, professionally, and um, conversationally than the average person. But one, the one thing about mistakes that I, I find a, a ton of value in is I don't want to make a mistake just to say, oh, shit, I fucked up. No. What was the mistake? Let's digest. Let's break that down. How did I make it? Where did I go wrong? What, can I, what information can I apply and learn moving forward? So from the communication standpoint, Obviously, we all see the information that uh, Nick Winkleman has put out in his recent book, Brett Bartholomew, Conscious Coaching, all those things. And we, we, we say to ourselves, yeah, I'm, I'm halfway through. Nick's another guy that uh, I got to digest more of this book, but I've never really talked to him outside of a few brief messages over this recently. But yeah, he's someone I want to bring on in the not terribly distant future either. But go on. He's, he's great. So we say to ourselves, all right, well, we know there's some research and literature and information evidence to back up why and how communication is so important. So how I view communication is like, like I've been very fortunate to work in a variety of settings in my career. And I look back and say, what can I take and apply from each setting? When I was in, when I was working in a senior citizen home that taught me to have some of the soft skills, change my volume, change my tone, change my tune. When I was working in the high school setting, all right, guys, let's go. When I can amplify my voice and my, you know, how vocal I am. When I'm working in maybe the PT clinic or one-on-one personal training setting, hey, Andrew, how's that feel? Like meet them where they're at. So I think from what I've learned and where I'm at now is, you know, I try to impart on that with my students, with my, you know, the interns in our internship program, with my staff and our team and our, and our athletes is I want to make sure that you feel as though I am here for you to help you get to your goal, whatever your goal may be, squat 315, you know, broad jump, <laughs> fucking 10 feet, whatever it may be. Or you know what? Be able to pick up your grandchild off the ground and not have your low back bother you. The entire spectrum of health is important. So my goal is, and like I said, I have a speaking coach as well, because if I'm going to be at these public events, I owe it to the audience to bring my fucking A game. Because if I don't, why are they paying the ticket? So for me, and, and, and you'll notice too, and I'm sure you're picking up on this, Andrew, I believe that passionate people, they let a swear go here or there. Uh-huh. And I'm also Italian, so you see I'm, I'm using my hands as a motioning tactic here. Um, but you're spot on, and I think uh, the biggest thing we have as the first layer of our internship program, and also the, the course I teach at Endicott College, which is kind of a replica of our program is, 
power of language and communication, AKA, you know, talking one-on-one -on -one with your client. Can you master those skills? I don't care if you know how many ATP are in Krebs cycle. I don't care if you know how many bones are. Why do I always use the Krebs cycle? It's so easy. Is it 36 or 32? I forget. And useless that never comes up in. in never comes up. We but, always use that in our industry. And anyone listening, you know, like I want you to send me a message on Instagram. If you've used this example to clients or someone else as something completely useless that we don't need them to know about. Never anyway, useful. So go on. <laughs> so, you know, my, my point is, you know, I just had a phone call with a prospective intern this morning and, you know, oh, you know, master's degree, CS, yes, yes. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, tell me about yourself. And, and they're like, go blank. And like, it's a complete robot. And I'm like, wait a second. You want an internship as a strength conditioning coach where you're going to communicate, collaborate, and collectively work alongside athletes from the ages of 10 to 70 with, a, with varying backgrounds, experiences, and, and um, needs and wants and goals and capacities and ability set, uh, levels. But you can't have a conversation with me about who you are and what you do. That's a deal breaker for me. You know, I want to be able to, can I get along with you? Are you an A-plus human being? And are you a good teammate? And so those things, communication is involved in all of those things. So I even look at, Andrew, you're going to laugh, communication skills, not just verbal language, but body language, posturing. Are you the bouncer at the club with a pair of shades? Are you Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski? I'm engaging eye contact, right? I'm really showing you. There's a level of vulnerability. I'm relatable. I'm with you on this path, Andrew, versus being like, good luck. You know, there's a different uh, spectrum there. The other point is uh, like text message slash social media slash email communication skills. How does that look? Are you professional? I'm not looking for someone to be like grammatically phenomenal. You go to Grammarly, it does it for you. It's actually pretty, pretty great. But, you know, are you someone who, hey, do you care enough to care enough? So that to me, communication has allowed me, and I've learned by making a lot of mistakes, it has allowed me to become a better coach because I can be more effective and build more buy-in and trust with the end user, being the athlete, the client, the patient, human in front of you. And that's what matters, right? Anyone who is listening who's had any sort of success, you're not in the position you're in, Matthew, without being good at meeting the, the end user, the, the client, the athlete, where they're at and making sure that they have such a good experience. We know that some people in our industry get a little caught up in, you talk about someone who didn't have anything to say, and I picture that being the person who is rest, reading strength conditioning manuals and probably knows their technical stuff really, really you know, in depth, but maybe there's a lack of breadth in terms of uh, exploring other things. Maybe it's, it's reading different types of literature, which could actually be super important. And, they haven't fully fleshed out the importance of not just going into a setting and telling the client or the athlete what to do and expecting hundred percent buy-in, but realizing that coaching doesn't end at giving someone a program. Coaching begins when someone is struggling to consistently adhere or implement something. And then you have to communicate to get across them to help their behavior change. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've all had clients who, you know, we started out with it and something just didn't mesh and they didn't stay with it, you know? And, and I think experienced coaches, we look back and we go, oh man, I made mistakes there as I was learning. And mm -hmm. you, you kind of hold on to it. You're like, fuck, I let that person down. But look at all the successes you've had with someone because your relationship was good. 
I have a lot of clients that it was a gradual process to get them to major changes to see their, their true end goals come to be. But very early on, we had a really good rapport and a good relationship, and they kept coming back. And if they keep coming back, they develop consistency. And cliche, but consistent adherence to a mediocre plan will achieve a lot of success. Fun. You know, poor adherence to a perfect plan because the person's not bought in to do it will get you nowhere. And over time, you can take a person further. You can make sure their technical movement is better because maybe they move like shit. Maybe they just are not body aware at all. They were never athletic. But as long as it's good enough that they're not getting hurt and you're able to get them to make some dietary changes, all of a sudden they're noticing, hey, they're a little bit leaner and, and they're no longer intimidated by the gym. And they, because I work with a lot of gen pop people that span age range. So I have some young athletes, but it's mostly gen pop. So your first mission is to get that person to come back to the gym and enjoy the experience. Now, what happens then? Again, they make long-term progress. They see the results they're looking for because we know it's not overnight. We know it takes time. And two, you keep a client long-term. That's kind of good. Like, you know, going back to- Kind of a big deal. Retention's kind of important. There's nothing dishonorable about earning a good living doing what we do. We just happen to really love and enjoy it. It makes it easier to work the hours we do. But nothing matters more than creating that connection, that buy-in and communicating well with the client. And it's got to take a lot more than just knowing your technical nutrition, your technical training, right? Because yeah, there'll be people who will show up for that. But the vast majority of people you're ever, even high performance athletes, especially in the high end, you know, these guys oftentimes want to do what they want to do instead of, you know, listen to being told, who the fuck is this like, you know, coach telling me, you know, I I play at this tier. You know, you, you got to be able to communicate with that guy too and get that guy or girl to relate to you and say, actually, no, you're pretty cool. I like you. And then all of a sudden you get this, you know, professional athlete who's got a bit of a chip on their shoulder because they've been told for so long how great they are and how natural their talent is. And you get some, you know, you know, assistant strength coach who's telling them, actually, you're doing this wrong. I need you to kind of do this. This is good for you. Well, if you create a, a bond and you communicate well with that person, that's where you get that buy-in from that athlete. And then you, you change things for that athlete. Look at some of her heads. Do you know Sam Pogue? If you connect oh, I love Sam Paul. Great guy. Everybody I love him. Everybody knows Sam Paul. Love him. So Sam trains Jake Arietta. And yep. you know, on yep. a podcast in the past with Sam, he tells a story about how that came to be. And it, they became friends and they connected. And then it developed into more and more of a, a coaching relationship. And Jake's been working with Sam for years. And Sam doesn't have a lot of his own clients anymore. He's been involved in so many other roles. Sure. And Branding, marketing. But he's always had Jake to work with. And then that's not an accident. Look at a guy like Ben Bruno, who deals with yep. all kinds of famous people, pro athletes and, and celebrities and what have you. And you see the goofy shit that's on his social media. You can tell there's a fun relationship. I mean, if he's getting Chelsea Handler to wear a piece of tape Hilarious. on her face to, to you know, talk about having her wearing a mask, she's a comedian, right? And yeah. Any other context, someone's going to see that and go, oh my God, oh, shit. that's some hashtag me too type shit. But, you know, she's a really awesome comedian and they can pull that crap off. And my guess is there's a pretty amazing, or the shit that he does with Phil Rosenthal. Yeah, oh, hilarious. Yep, if, sounds if, good, Phil. The garage is closing. See you later. Exactly. Now, if someone has never followed Ben or doesn't know who Phil is, well, first of all, go follow Ben stuff because, you know, he's actually sure. a brilliant trainer. He's a fun dude. And he's got a great sense of humor. He's up there with Mike Isertel in terms of just being fucking funny in our world. It's like oh, some hilarious. you're being and t- turned him into a trainer. That's what Ben looks like. Yeah. So. <laughs> that is a phenomenal analogy. It's true, though, right? It's spot on true. So all of this technical know-how, what underpins our success is still 
the ability to communicate. And this is what I love about these these conversations. You never know what's going to come out because that wasn't something I really planned on, you know, digging into. But yet, it's such an important piece of all this that uh, I hope I hope it's valuable to everybody listening. I mean, it it, ha it has had a profound impact on me as a coach because. I'm sure people, uh, up and coming coaches or senior coaches will, can relate to this is how many times have you, have you fucked up and you like, you know, Hey, that shit was on me. That literally was on me. There have been times where you had alluded to as well, high, high profile athlete, or let's just say a client who uh, feels justified to do things a certain way and you know, they're entitled. So that's going to happen. Unfortunately, we're not gonna, going to all be able to work with Michael Jordan, who are the goats of the goats, and they're phenomenal athletes, and they make us look great. Unfortunately, we have to work with a wide variety of people, different backgrounds, different motives, different, different levels of stress, how to, how to stress management, how to cope. You alluded to health behavior change or behavior change, right? I always thought that that class in undergrad was like, what, what is this? Is, this, is, this is crap. This is awful. I'm like, I'm thinking now, like, all we do as coaches, for, for the most part, is we're stress managers from a load standpoint, and we promote and try to impart upon positive behavioral change adaptations. And so that's what we're doing. And communication, if done effectively, can allow for that. I mean, all the mistakes I've made, all the times I've tripped, all the failures I've succumbed to in, my, in the field were communication driven for the most part, where I either lacked the soft skills, didn't develop them yet or didn't care enough to, or just plain old, just messed up. And, and, you know, I, it, it was, it couldn't fix it at the time. Looking back, I'm, I'm like, you know what, damn, I, I didn't just, I also let that person out, but I really tripped up here, here, and here. Here's how I can fix it now. And I think some of it comes to, okay, swallow your pride, let your ego allow you to fit your head through the door. You know, I try to walk into the facility each day, whether it's with an intern, whether a, a, a coach of ours, a staff member, whether in the classroom with our students, whether with our athletes or, or, or other clients or members is, I am a rookie. It's a rookie mindset. How can I learn? How can I become better? What can I take from this coaching session or this uh, teaching session or this speaking, whatever it may be? How can I be a rookie, be a fly on the wall and learn and really observe, absorb the information? Because I, I liken the skill of active listening, which is the communication counterpart, the same way, okay, ready? I'm hitting up Andrew, I'm on text. I'm like, yo, what's good, Andrew? What's good, brother? And then all of a sudden, I see the three dots. Andrew is, it's, it's a text cloud coming back to me. I don't know what he's gonna say yet. And I could, A, already have a thought that I wanna text back automatically, like automated text, regardless of what Andrew says. That is hearing someone, in one out the other. Active listening is, Andrew responds back, nothing, bro, I'm just chilling on this podcast right now. And I say, okay. Let me read that. Let me think about that. Critical thinking skills. Let me apply what Andrew just said. Awesome, Andrew. Love you're on the podcast. What are you doing tomorrow night? Want to grab a beer? That to me is active listening. You're actually taking into account what the person said, thinking about it, giving it a moment, giving it a process, and then getting back information. That to me is, if you can be a great communicator and a great active listener, you can, you can potentially be a phenomenal coach. I just realized that I've got to get you linked up with a few of my other friends who have podcasts because a number one, I decided about 10 minutes in, you're coming back sooner rather than later. Uh, I think anyone listening is going to be like, man, this guy's like got good energy. So uh, I want you, 
I bring guests on here. I feel like I've said this a number of times over the years with the episodes. I bring guests on here because I, I believe that they're really great people I want to share, but especially for certain people, it's like, guys, everyone here, if you're not yet following Matthew's social media stuff, go get on that. Okay. Like start really absorbing the stuff. Cause I think if you're already taking a lot of stuff out of this, just imagine what you'll get if you're constantly being exposed to the stuff you're doing. And I would uh, really like to link you up with some of my pals who have podcasts as well, just so that way, you know, you're, cause I know you've probably done tons of podcasts anyway, but just to make sure that, you know, you, you're getting a blast out into the, the industry more and more. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Oh, it, it's true. You know, you're, you're so right about active listening. And, and I, you know, you talk about, you know, you, there's a lot of humility in a lot of things you've said and alluding to mistakes. Something I, I actively struggle with is stopping and actively listening and really being focused on the other person. And I have to just, I, I've been training myself and constantly working at it to not think about the next thing I want to say or talk about something to do with me. Right. And, and, and that's a battle. And, you know, it's something that I work on. I think we all have our own flaws. I'm big on, you know, we're talking about all this behavioral change stuff and alluding to all this technical training stuff. It's, I like reading, reading technical training manuals more recently than ever. I, I learned a lot of things reading a lot of training articles over the years and going to a lot of seminars. But I also think that reading behavior change books is really good stuff. I actually just put up a post on Instagram that was a stack of Brene Brown's books. I think every- Oh my God. Should be reading Brene stuff. In fact- Yes. I really think that if there's one author, if you were restricted to one author, I think Brene is the one, all her stuff on, I think you're just gonna be a better, kinder, more, more thoughtful, less judgmental person if you read her stuff. Especially in our industry where sometimes you see, even the people who are theoretically on the scientific or moral high ground, the way that they will speak in a condescending, antagonistic, or shaming way, mm -hmm. people who believe something different. And, and, I, and I never engage that way in any of my media uh, or talk to anyone or about anyone like that because I just don't think that's conducive to changing anyone's mind. I think you're just kind of speaking into the echo chamber of the people that agree with you. And over time, that's not a good place to isolate yourself. But other books, uh, Chip and Dan Heath's work, in particular, Switch is a classic on behavior change. Um, I try to think of a few others. Uh, Crucial Conversations is a book I think everybody should be reading. Um, motivational interviewing, the, the, the nutrition and fitness one, I think is great. I'm actually going to turn around and look at my stack of books here. <laughs> if you're driving, please don't uh, pause it. And then when you can get to it, I want you to write this stuff down. Uh, Change Maker by John Berardi. He was a recent guest on here. Phenomenal. His stuff is great. Um, the Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, I think is wonderful stuff. Yeah, just, just, there's too much to probably really list off, but... You know, I think this is the sort of stuff that trainers should be exploring and try to expose themselves more to. And I, I think a lot of people already are doing a pretty good job of that. Andrew, you alluded to Bernie Brown. Yeah. What I, you're going to get mad at me. I'm, re, I'm auto, audio book reading it right now as I go for my, my walk throat. Yeah. What, so Daring Greatly. Mm. And that's something I want to, if we have time, to talk about the power yeah. of walking. All well. the time. All the time. So Daring Greatly, I've been listening. I'm about halfway through. And I'll never forget, I heard her about a year or two ago, middle of the night on YouTube, next video, next video. Oh, whoa, TED Talks, let's go. And I was immediately blown away, immediately. For some reason, I was an idiot, didn't buy the book till a couple months ago, have the book now. And I'm listening and I find myself going back and actively writing notes. I'm like, vulnerability, vulnerability, right? Shaming, but vulnerability is the, is, it's, we're in a field where 
an athlete, a client is going to come to the facility, right? They have this outer layer of like, yeah, yeah, I'm confident. I'm good. I, I, feel, I feel good. Deep down, they don't. That is the tip of the iceberg. Deep down, hey, look, I tore my ACL. I don't feel so confident yet. Um, I, every time I bend over, my low back hurts. I don't feel so confident yet. I swear my left, my left ankle playing college lacrosse. I'm about 54 now. Kind of still bothers me. They're not going to tell you that immediately until you demonstrate an, a, a level of relatability, but more importantly, vulnerability. That's what, go ahead. I was going to say, in your example as an athlete, you talk about an injury. So you get a high level athlete. Their identity is in their ability to perform in their sport. So it's a point of shame and, and vulnerability when they have an injury that takes them away from that. It sort of robs them of some of their identity. So being able to connect with them on that sort of level and understand that's really important. Crucial, crucial. So what I use as my neutral conversation starters to be able to eventually segue to more deeper content, like tip of the iceberg, to get in the tip of the iceberg, I talk about coffee and food and movies. And, you know, how was your weekend? How was, how, how's your week been? Those are kind of conversation starters. Beginning of the, and I'm sure we all have our different variations. And then that allows it, yeah, they, you kind of break the ice. Okay. Hey, you know, now you're on, you know, let's say C or, C or D block. It's almost end of the session. Hey, how's that knee feeling? How are we holding up there? Are you good? Want to make some changes for you? Are you good to go? Then they're more apt to say, yeah, I feel comfortable now. You know, we talked about what I did this weekend. I went to my kid's soccer game and, you know, I had a new coffee at this new coffee joint I told Matt about. And we just, you kind of segue. So I think those communication touch points are big. I think the theme that you and I have been alluding to this whole time is in this field, be a problem solver and solutions based problem comes your way, right? You know, shit hits a fan. Don't complain, be resourceful, be problem solving and solutions based. How can I solve this problem? I am so solutions based in my mind <laughs> that whether it's from a friend of mine or my fiance, my family member, I'm like, all right, what's, how do we solve that? Let's go here. Here are the tactics. Uh, let's draw this out and let's go. Uh, Matt, it's, it's all good. We don't need you to solve it. We just wanted you to listen. Okay, cool. I can listen to you. I'll, I'll be the vent for you. But it's, I think that's really important. And I really believe that vulnerability is key. And, and you know, that Brene Brown book has really lent me some really good topics to, to think about. And the last thing I want to touch on, I don't know how much time you have, but Brother, I, have, I have tons of time. So you just free wheel. And then worst case scenario, we get to a certain point and we got at least another half an hour if you, if you want it. Last two episodes uh, with John Goodman and Mike Isertel, the, the guys had sort of caps on their time, so they're slightly shorter than average, but we can roll. Sure. So I, I think this is relatable to a lot of people is, you know, the pandemic started in March. I was eating shit left and right. Calories don't count, right? <laughs> I'm sure I'm not alone in the world. And I put on about probably about 10, 12 pounds. And I got to this point where I looked in the mirror and I think everyone's gotten to this point where like, you know what? Hey, enough's enough. Let's go. So I have always trained with Greg, like I alluded to earlier, four days a week. I think we've all strength trained three or four days a week forever. We know there, you know, strength training is important. Resistance training is important. Loading is helpful, but there's a limitation from, uh, you know, uh, body type change uh, thing. Nutrition is really important, right? Dietary intake is really important. Sleep quality, hydration, so I'm like, all right, let me be real with myself. I created a chart. My hydration has always been really well. I drink a good amount of water. I track it. Sleep quality has been really well. I grade, you know, objectively my grading of my, my sleep each night. 
Um, and I put that chart together, super simple. It's nothing, you know, uh, uh, scientifically profound, but it allows me to track. Um, I looked at my nutritional intake objectively. I give myself a grade. And again, I know it's not perfect, but it allows me to have some sort of metric. The last piece is, did I lift today? Yes or no. Only four days of the week I do that. For about an hour, hour and 15, <clears throat> strength training. And then what was my cardiovascular output? I have found that I've really enjoyed walking. And I'll strap on a 20-pound weight vest. I get in 30 minutes a day. So roughly three and a half to four hours a week. I'm going for a 30-minute walk after this. And it just allows me to get in uh, NEAT, the acronym NEAT. So non-exercise activity thermoregulation, I think, or something like that. Something where it's non-planned, like it could be mowing the lawn. It could be walking the dog. It's just something that allows you to get some activity and break a little sweat. Nothing crazy. Well, I have found that walking is, does that for me. So I go for walks. I listen to podcasts. I pop in the weight vest. 30 minutes a day. It's awesome. I've done that. I've tracked my nutrition. I've also tightened up my nutrition. I've lost nine pounds in 63 days. Is that phenomenal? No, but you and I both know nutrition and weight loss, it has to be sustainable. If I lose 20 pounds in a week, you and I both know I, I'm not going to last forever there. I didn't restrict myself on the foods I love. I kept a better idea of Matt. How do you feel right now? Do you feel full? I, I think precision nutrition, you know, talks about eat till you're about 80 to 85% full. This is this is me stealing, stealing success. Like that's a successful thing they use. John Berardi, he's phenomenal. The PN system, it clearly is successful. So I'm like, all right, let me, let me steal that cue or steal that, that layer, if you will. And I eat till I'm about 8% full. I'm like, Matt, ha have a seat, watch an episode with your fiance. If you're hungry an hour, maybe grab a little snack of fruit or, or a protein bar or whatever, something that's going to satiate you. So I have found that I have developed a much better relationship with food and I am not a nutrition guy. That's not my realm. I will never pretend to be. But I found is, as a general human being, if I can have <clears throat> a logging system, and Jordan Syed talks about this a lot, people freak out, oh, the number on the scale. The number is an, an objective data. That's all. It's just giving you a number. So you can say, okay, I was you know, 200 pounds, and then now I'm uh, 195. Oh, I lost five pounds in two months. Like You have to track things. So I don't obsess over it. I, I do it the same thing every morning. I get on the scale. Oh, that's the number. Okay, cool. Write it down. Okay, cool. Move on to my, my day. I don't obsess over it. So I have found that, you know, walking and tightening up my nutrition. I mean, again, this is not, oh my God, Matt, this is such a novel approach. It's the simple shit that works. And, and unfortunately, you know, I don't believe there are enough people like yourself, myself, Lee, Meg, and all these awesome people in our field there is some saturation occurring where there's a lot more of these, um, how do I put this? Not so people that are, are not always out for the best interest of the end user, more so quick uh, cash grab. We have to continue to do our job of, okay, simple, digestible information to the masses. And over time, the hope is that that spreads into the right hands. And you mentioned Jordan Syed. I think he's a great example. Phenomenal. Of um, so he leaves another one, uh, Spencer Nadolsky. There's a long list of people who I think have the, uh, the appeal to gain a very large audience, and they all have, uh, you know, be it, you know, a certain amount of aesthetic plus the simplicity and the accessibility of their message. Jordan is phenomenal at this stuff. And instead of, again, complaining about the people who have this larger reach who are giving bad information, 
you're actually working really, really hard to give yourself a platform to reach more people to provide good information. And I think that's a good underlying attitude for anyone to take. And it's an attitude of abundance. It's an attitude of growth. And it's an attitude of control, you know, internal locus of control versus being, uh, you know, a victim of everything that's wrong in the world and complaining about it. And if you want to be a successful coach and build a career, I really suggest taking the former routes versus, you know, just being sad and frustrated at the reality of things. Uh, and, you know, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like we said, you know, you and I have, you know, we're, we're that, how do I put this? We're, we're talking about writing for T Nation and, you know, learning all this sort of stuff. You look at the people that we learn from, you know, we're learning from the Dean Somersets and the Tony Gentilcores and the Ben Brunos and the Eric Cressys and, uh, you know, Lee Boyce definitely falls under that, Brian Cron, Christian Thibodeau. There's a big long list there. Now we're that next generation of contributors on there. It's going to be kind of cool in 10 years, you know, because I, I plan on continuing to submit stuff. that I, I can't put the same kind of volume of stuff that uh, Christian or Paul Carter, because he's, you know, Paul's just on there like twice a fucking week or... Um, <laughs> You know, uh, my, my buddy, Dan North, who's kind of a newer contributor, he's kind of part of our wave, but he's pumping up tons of stuff. Gareth Sapstan is a good buddy. He'll, he'll be back yeah. on the podcast soon. We were talking about the, the fitness maverick. Now, there's yeah. a dude who took the other route and photo shoot and abs and looks phenomenal, but yet he puts out great information. He's that's, playing, that's playing the influencer game, but just doing it better than the influencers do. So, you know, we're part of this new wave that what I hope will happen in 10 years is people will be looking at us, the trainers who are coming up through and going, well, we were the people that were the educators that helped them grow their careers. And then someone who starts out then 10 years later is looking at us in that same light. So that's kind of a cool feeling. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think like, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, we're all helping each other. We're all putting out education. Education is the biggest thing. And, you know, to jump back real quick to Jordan. So I, I currently live in Melrose, Mass, a subset of Boston. Jordan Syatt, before he was at all the places you had mentioned, he had interned for a good friend of mine, Stacy Shadler in Stoneham, literally down the street when he was about 16 years old, I remember. <laughs> and so that just goes to show you, he has been putting in the work. He is not a new, new face. He has been putting in the work for years. It just so happens that he's younger and he got there quicker. But, hey, he is legitimate. He's awesome. And I just – that's the biggest thing is things take time. Success takes time. And – and, I, and I, I am someone who believes in that, you know, I like to appreciate the journey and the path more so than the end goal, because I, I like to kind of go through all the murky areas and, you know, you can't have the sunny days, without the rainy days. So that, that to me is more uh, fulfilling and it feels good to kind of go through that because the end goal will be that much more, uh, you know, you'll enjoy it that much more. So within all the stuff that we're talking about and how much you're doing, how do you actually set some boundaries on your time? And have you got to the position where you've developed the ability to say no to, or what is your filter for saying no to asks of your time? This is probably, you know, you alluded to something that you, you, your personal struggle, my personal struggle is what you're talking about now. So how and when to say no, not just when, but also how to do it in, in such a way that shows the other person you're respectful of their ask, but also that politely, hey, it's just not the right fit for right now or, right, or for me. And then juggling everything to make sure that I'm always giving quality. So what I do is it's almost like a risk assessment. When I get asked to do something, and this could, like anyone in the world, hey, take out the trash. I mean, it could be, it could be any uh, uh, magnitude of, of, of a task. 
hey, can you teach this course for my school? Or hey, can you take out the trash? I say, okay, number one, can I do it? Well, yeah, I can take out the trash. Uh, can I teach? Can I fit in teaching a course this semester? I'm teaching two. I'm in a. I'm in the doctor program. I have an internship class. I'm. Let me. Let me hold off on this one. Thank you so much for your opportunity. I truly appreciate it at this current time. X, Y, and Z. But please keep me in your future thoughts. Politely, respectfully. You know, you say no with your time because I will never sign up for something if I cannot give it 110. percent That's not something I will do. I am extremely adamant about quality. It's very important to me that my best foot forward because again if you're the attendee or the end user the student the, the the client i want to feel like wow like that that was an experience versus uh, it was kind of so so he left early didn't get much out of that you know i, I took a lot of um i taught uh for the first time this past spring so a class at maryville university online and a class in person locally at endicott and i was looking forward to the feedback i wanted to know hey look what can i do better they have a, a grading ranking system. I got a, like a 4.5 out of five. And I called the guy, the director said, I said, Kevin, how do I get this grade up? He's like, well, you got, you got a 90, Matt. I'm like, I, I got to get to 100. So I'm trying to get feedback. I want to know how I can be better. And so, uh, you know, saying no is never easy. I'm sure you get in situations like that as well. I'm sure many of us do. I really think it's a matter of, you know, setting your non-negotiables. Some of my non-negotiables are, I'd like to have dinner with my fiance each night as many times a night as we can. We just, we just moved in together um, when, when all this started in February. So that's a whole other conversation for a different episode, but that's important to me. I want to set, um, you know, lifelong routines that I can begin, we can begin to, you know, permeate into our, our, our bigger family when that happens. That's a non-negotiable for me. Uh, you know, trying to have at least one show that we're watching together. So we have something to talk about. That is a non-negotiable for me. I'm um, getting my, my strength training sessions in four times a week, I will get them in at all costs. If that means 4 a.m., if that means 8 p.m., I will get them in at all costs. That is, that's my, my drug, so to speak. That is my, my outlet. I, I, I can't tell you how much I love the iron. I'm sure you're looking at me to say, I'm, I know you love the iron as well. I'm a six day a week. It used to be seven, but I trained 60. I really realized I needed to give myself one day off because yeah. I'm 42 now. I'm, I'm not you know, a young kid anymore. And so I find myself a little beaten up compared to the way I used to feel. So I also learned to make some modifications. I do a lot more single leg training than I used to. I used to just like squat. You know, I, I would have to put four plates on the squat bar twice a week, at least for a couple of reps. And so after a while, my shoulders start getting real tight and I couldn't do pull-ups and a few other things anymore. So I work with a really good phys physiotherapist uh, to help work with that stuff. But I've just gotten into doing a lot of single leg work. So now I'm pushing you know, these Hatfields, a split squats. I love them, wrote a teenage article about it. And so I see Luca Hosevar and Luca's, Luca's not a small dude, but I'm a lot bigger than Luca. And so Luca's talking about doing, you know, 315 per leg and that's his goal. I'm like, motherfucker, I got to get on this shit. So I just post up a video of me doing 300 and I only did three per leg just to <laughs> trying it. And my goal this week is going to be 315 for five per leg on this. And is it, so is it SSB Hatfield? Yeah, Hadfield. So, and there's like, you can hold on to the rack up high sure. and get much push with it, or you can actually have your hands down on the guards and you're getting some push with the hands. Like, sure, sure. it's part of the help, but you, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of stability, but you are still pushing primarily through that one leg. A lot so of weight. I got some video up on my Instagram if you want to go see that. And I will video my attempt at 315 to see what I can do with it. So either I shatter something or I'll, po I'll post it up and uh, we'll get to see that. So. And again, it's not fair to compete because, you know, I'm a whole lot bigger than Luca, but 
you know, pound for pound, motherfucker is going to be stronger than me at it. But I want to see where I can take this stuff. And it's got to have real range of motion. But anyway, I found that I like training that way a lot more. I've been doing a lot of single leg RDLs recently. I love it. I've had to tinker with yep. what works for me because I balance on them as shit. And so I find that ipsilateral, and if anyone's yep. using language that, uh, but uh, it's holding the dumbbell on the same side as the leg that you're using. So, and I'm finding that works with my balance a lot better versus holding two dumbbells, which I started with, or the landmine, great teaching tool. I'm terrible at it. Can't fucking it's balance. It's it, The angles, it, it's tough. But you mentioned ipsilateral. Yeah. And I've always tinkered in the year, over the years of my mind because everyone does, okay, the opposite side contralateral. Oh yeah, this is how we do it. I'm always like, I understand why we do it that way. I get it. But my curiosity is saying, well, same side could be beneficial as well for a different reason. Why not play around with it? So I've actually, I've never done it in a routine program. I played around with it kind of in the lab. I've always been intrigued by it. And you may have just given me an idea for a post. Go for it. Tag me and I want to see it. Um, ultimately with this sort of stuff, what underlies it is just finding the solution for you because it's really about, you know, getting a, a, a knee dominant squat type pattern. It's about getting a hinge pattern in your, in your program and something that actually makes you feel better and helps you get stronger, take into consideration your individual mobility, your individual injury history and what you enjoy doing. And I didn't used to enjoy doing single leg RDLs. Now all of a sudden I really like them. And we're also talking about the fact that some of the stuff actually makes for pretty good, you know, posts and content on our social media and people are pretty engaged with it. One of the things that we talk, I talked with Mike Isertel about is his social media and he films a ton of his training stuff. You want to watch some freaky shit, go watch Mike Isertel lift weights. It's, it's fucking hysterical. And he's a he's just short, but super big, powerfully built man. And people are really engaged in seeing what the hell he's doing. So you know, as a fitness professional, if you're struggling for ideas for training, well, just mix up your training a bit, play around with stuff that works for you, be creative and not so bloody creative that it's, it's obviously influencer nonsense that you, know, you get these girls who are doing body weight stuff and, and they got a set of legs and glutes on them. You know that that's heavy barbell work built that stuff, right? And they're doing it on a BOSU ball. Come on, you're not fooling anybody or God forbid they have butt implants, but <laughs> do stuff that actually really works in your own training, film it. Put it up on your social media. There's a great source of ideas right there. A lot of the times, the, the things I've written for the training stuff I've done for T Nation has come from innovations or twists or things that I've done to make my own training work. My first ever article was on a seated overhead press. And I have the bench at a, you know, an 80, 75, 80 degree angle versus like straight 90. You get to lean back a bit. Well, I don't have the shoulder mobility to go straight overhead. So that subtle angle change and just the nuance of this exercise actually works out really well. And I searched the archive of their stuff and no one had actually done this particular thing in this way. I built a whole shoulder training day around it and guess what? It worked really well. And there you go. a lot of people are afraid, well, it's all been said before. It's all been done before. Uh, probably, but you know, I talked with Sohi about this actually was one of the, the questions, the themes you were talking about. Sohi repeats a lot of very similar basic information she's been doing it for years maybe it's packaged up in a slightly different form or different wording but That's she okay. message a lot there's always new people finding you there's always new people entering the evidence-based fitness space who may have left you know more of the guru or or, or the, the stuff that we know is problematic so there, there's always going to be new people finding our message or needing that message and a lot of the times people don't just read it once and go oh shit now i'm good fuck it and they take off with it for the rest of their lives a lot of people need motivation, constant reminders, 
uh, and the support along the way. And that's often why they're following people like all of us. You hit the, you hit it, man. You hit it right on. And the, the thing I kept thinking about when you were talking about exercises and thinking outside the box and being creative, but also having applicability is a lot of times in our field, coaches, they stay too confined into a system. They fall in love with exercises. Well, we don't do that because of, well, why don't you do that? My interpretation is don't fall in love with exercises, fall in love with adaptations. At the end of the day, right, whether it's an RFE split squat or, or bilateral squat, at the end of the day, you're still getting, like you had said, knee flexion, quad dominant, you're getting some glute, you're still getting some of the same things to occur, but in, in a different format. And so split squats are a whole nother exercise that I have, along with one leg RDL, you know, single leg RDLs. I have gained such an appreciation for the split squat pattern over the years because you have to realize not many people have that big toe extension ability of that back leg, but also the stability, the balance, and understand what is necessary to allow that hip to uh, you know, flex and extend and the, the front knee to flex. There's a lot of shit going on. You're like, this is actually much more challenging than it really seems. And it, what allows you to see that is, Someone who's not so good at it yet, you're like, oh, okay, there, there's layers to this. And this is deeper than I thought. And it allows you to explore in your mind. I got a sneaky little trick for that, by the way, the toe flexion. So if you've got a gym and there's a lay down hamstring curl machine or sure. leg extension machine, those things will have a roller that sticks out on it. You know, extend that roller, laces down on it, and it moves with the natural pattern of the movement. It's fucking phenomenal. So you See, you cart your there dumbbell. you go. I've, I've put this stuff up on social media. There's images of it. It goes back a little bit on my Instagram. But you cart your dumbbells over there. Or I've even taken, is in, in the gym that I contract out of Evolve Strength, there's a lot of these like movable uh, Olympic lifting squat racks. You just cart one over, put the safety squat bar up in that thing right in front of the, the lying hamstring curl. And people see me doing it so much that it gets way more use as that than it does as a hamstring curl. <laughs> so you load up the safety bar put your back foot up on it, laces down, and just drop into a, a bunch of this stuff. And that eventually turned into me going into a rack and just holding the rack uh, in a different way. And that's where the Hatfield stuff kind of came about. And I, I saw that, you know, it, it floats around every once in a while. I didn't invent that shit. I mean, it's literally, you know, named after uh, Ready. who came up with the whole idea or popularize it or both. I'm, I'm not quite sure about its true origins, but you know, you tinker around with this kind of stuff in, in your environment and you come up with some solutions to problems that you mentioned. So coincidentally, I just had a consultation with a friend of mine. He's a gym owner and he wants to do my online training. Uh, shout out Colin, if he's listening to this. And he was actually saying how he sprained one of his toes. So therefore lunge type flexion used to really bother him on this one foot. So what am I going to do when it comes to programming? Am I going to give him a whole bunch of walking lunges? No. Am I going to have him doing laces down uh, Bulgarian split squats. Yes, because that's not going to piss that off. Even if it's feeling a bit better now, I don't want to add, you know, heavily loaded something that's probably going to irritate something that uh, used to be a problem. So there's my solution to that little problem. And that's key. And that's, you know, problem solving, solutions-based strategy. And, and that's, that's going to make you a better coach and give you a more, a greater ability to provide education and content. And so, that's the thing. And, and that's, that's been the theme all along. And I, uh, this is, uh, this is fun, man. I really, I really like, uh, I really dig sitting on here and talking with you, man. Well, I'm going to make sure that I get you back at some point because 
I've said this a few times and I hope the audience understands this. Um, I don't really give a shit about the rest of you guys. I'm just kidding. But I actually like these conversations because of the benefit of, I just got an hour to hang out with you and pick your brain. And I've learned some stuff. This is, I picked up on a lot from this. Um, you know, in the last three episodes, three people who I've respected and followed for years, all of whom I've met and had the opportunity to sit down with and have a meal with and become friends with. But it started out as me reading and absorbing their information over years. So those relationships take time. But in getting someone to come on the podcast, I get you know upwards of an hour or more to one-on-one -on -one have these kind of conversations that will make me better at what I do. And we record it and we share it with everybody else. And I don't know, the feedback seems pretty damn good from what I'm you know, hearing lately and especially over the years from all these conversations with people. I mean, I, not terribly long ago, I got an hour of time listening to Dr. John Berardi and he's very reclusive. He no longer does a lot of podcasts and earned that by developing a good relationship with PN and had four of his other people, including Krista Scott Dixon and Brian St. Pierre, two of their chief architects on the podcast. And they loved it so much that everybody turned around and said to John, okay, this is something that, you know, you should really do. And so he did. Uh, but meanwhile, I got to talk to basically two on one because it was, you know, me and Dean Guido still at the time and listen to John and then get to share that with everybody else. Right. But even if I didn't get to share with everybody else, that's still something I'm benefiting from. So, you know, Hey, I mean, I, I don't know if everybody should go out and try to start a podcast because you know, there's, there's so many of them out there, but if it's something that genuinely interests you, you're also going to find that most of the people in the industry, not all, but most are going to be willing to provide some of their time to talk to you because you are still sharing them with your following. Even if your following starts out kind of small and grows over time, right? I gotta, I, I'd be hard pressed to imagine that you would say no. Now again, going back to setting boundaries, but you know, I, I think you're probably not getting so many podcast requests. That's like, man, I can't do all of these, but it's probably, it's probably a fun, interesting experience. And maybe it's, maybe it's kind of routine. It's the same pedantic questions that you get. And you say to yourself, okay, well, you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to rush back to do this particular episode, but I got a feeling you've had podcast requests that have been really fun to do. And you're like, man, I, I can't wait to come back to that one if I get the chance. Yeah, this one. Well, it's gonna happen, <laughs> I promise you. I think the, I'm praying you guys are experiencing this the way I am and go, man, this guy's really fucking cool. Andrew, please bring him back. You know, it's going to happen for sure. Well, I mean, I appreciate your time. This has been a blast and I always, like you said, I love the, the fact that we can engage, go back and forth and just, this just happens organically and authentically. And I think, you know, this is the way to do it. This allows other people to learn. I mean, I, I myself learned on here and we get to kind of share this with the masses. So, you know, let's keep pushing forward, my man. Yeah, no, we'll make it happen again. So uh, what's important here now is to make sure that everybody can find you. So um, let's tell them about your social media and any of the other important places they can engage with you. I would say the easiest place to catch me, and this is where Andrew, you and I, and also Facebook have, have, have kind of interacted over the years is uh, Instagram is the easiest. I'm, I, I go on there religiously. Um, I probably overuse my time on the phone for, from a weekly standpoint, but it's just Matthew Ibrahim underscore, you know, it's the same ugly mug you see right here. And uh, find me on there. We'll interact. And I genuinely love interacting with people and, you know, Andrew, I'm sure that, you know, you can uh, attest to that. And so it shines, it shines through obviously. Right. And even in, you know, our interactions before I got you on air, man, like, you know, you're quick to respond, very conscientious, trying to make sure, you know, you're not missing messages, contact points, that sort of stuff. So guys, seriously, go check out what Matthew's doing because I, one of, one of my jobs sort of 
is to try to be aware of what's going on in our industry. And that's, and, and knowing who's who and who's doing what. And that with all my other responsibilities means that I can't always get into extreme depth with everybody, but there are still people I'm trying to absorb as much depth as I can. Um, there's a few podcasts I listen to religiously because I really enjoy and I feel inspired by them. And uh, I'm kind of hoping that I become that for a lot of people with what I'm doing now and, and historically through the original form of the podcast. But I've been finding myself really enjoying the things that you're doing and, you know, paying more and more attention to it. So I hope everybody will consider to do the same. And, uh, and beyond that, I really appreciate everybody who's been tuning into these episodes. If you're someone who is found this through Matthew's social media and you're listening here for the first time, well, we, you know, I've alluded to a number of other guests that we've had recently. So I would say maybe check out the most recent three. There's going to be a lot of great stuff in there and, and hang around because, you know, some of the people we talked about, including Jade Tata, is planned for the not terribly distant future. Um, I've got uh, Gareth Sapstead, the fitness maverick. He's another guy who's pumping out a lot of info on Teen Nation like we talked about. Um, I'm definitely going to bring Sam Spinelli on here in the not terribly distant future. And, you know, you mentioned Greg Robbins, and I, I've only briefly chatted with Greg, and I reached out to him quite a while ago. I've got him on Facebook. And, you know, I've got to make a point of bringing him on here eventually as well. So I'll, uh, I'll make it happen eventually. I got, I got a lot of people to load up with here that I've already talked to. Person. Greg's a guy who I'm sure you'll, you'll find out as well. Very similarly, boys, extremely uh, innovative, uh, out-of-the-box type of thinker. And I have just really pillaged his brand for the past five years as his client. And um, the way he thinks through situations and, and he problem solves. Um, I mean, I, I, I am a walking example. I put on like, I, I mean, he's gotten me really strong compared to where I used to be. And, you know, he's, he's a coach who falls under the radar at times, but I promise you he brings a, a ton of value. He's a powerfully built guy. He definitely is very good in the strength realm. I mean, the gym is called him and Tony Bombecchio's gym is called Strength, yes. if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Yep. They were originally at Crisis Sports Performance, and Pete Dupuis is a friend, and I've, he's been on a few times. And, you know, I understand that the, a lot of the people that came out of that world, I mean, we mentioned Soki and Jordan Syatt. They're both former uh, Crisis Sports Performance interns. It's, I had Raj Law on fairly recently. You know, he wow, he, that goes way back. Raj is a cool dude. He's another guy that flies a little too under the radar, but is super beloved in our industry and you know the the, the insiders who who know other people who other people are. So it, it's actually crazy just how many good people there are, and and I and I hate wasting my time complaining about you know the shitheads who are out in our space competing for <laughs> when there's so much we could do to support, share, and engage with great people. And there's a lot of really great people. So I, I'm all about positivity and, and anyone listening, I really hope you're, you're choosing to engage your, your energy and time into the good people and supporting and following them. If you're someone who, like I said, is, is new to finding uh, this podcast and me, uh, I'm active on Instagram and I'm really trying to grow that up. So uh, at Andrew Coates Fitness, I'd love it if you follow and I'd love it if you shoot me a message. That way we can connect directly and let me know what you think about the podcast. And people have been doing that. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting people with like, blue check marks and, and, you know, big following accounts, like, uh, you know, like, where the, wow, where the fuck are these people coming from? Right. So this is actually kind of cool. And not to mean that someone like that is any more important, but sure. it's cool to see where the stuff reaches and hopefully it inspires the people who want to get out there and create more. We've talked a ton about, you know, not worrying about what people think and just get out there and create and share your own work. And uh, beyond that, you know, I definitely wouldn't hate, uh, you know, subscriptions and, and some reviews. I know we, we, think about reviewing, but we never take the time. I recently went and reviewed a bunch of the podcasts that I really like because 
realize, hey, I've been neglecting that too. So I can't ask for them if I'm not going out and showing that love for the people that I uh, that have been good to me. Stay brother, forward, brother. For coming on, um, you know, any parting words? The floor is yours. Thank you for your time. You know, just keep working hard, doing what you're doing, man. I, I, I've become a big fan, and uh, I look forward to seeing where, where your journey takes you. And the listeners out there, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it was a bit longer than the typical, but, you know, we enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it, and we both look forward to connecting in the future. Thanks, guys. Uh, stay tuned for next week, and uh, I've got a surprise guest for you.